Wow, it's a wonderful time of worship together this morning, wasn't it? And just a great sense of God's presence here. There's a great sense of life here, which you go some places, it's not as much, so praise God. It's something that maybe you don't see because or feel because you're here every week, uh, but it's wonderful to be amongst you and don't take for granted what you've got, amen? Okay, if you've got your Bible with you, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Let's just pray um, just as we start. This. We need a lot of prayer this morning with this. Father, I just thank you that you've clearly, you're clearly here, you're clearly with us. And thank you, Father, that you're clearly going to speak to us now through your word. Father, let me not get in the way of that, but let me be a conduit for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. I want to share some thoughts this morning rather than just a, a, a kind of preach, just to share some thoughts with you on some things, particularly on the church, on kingdom and on the Holy Spirit. And this has been sort of growing in me in terms of what God's been sharing with me for quite a few months now. And I've only shared this in one very intimate place, which was a, a school of ministry class. But I, I feel it's right to share some of it here this morning. And as I was preparing... God's just given me more specifically for you to the point that he must really love you guys because he was speaking to me at 3.30 this morning. And, uh, you know... That's amazing. Like, I was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is amazing. <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't usually happen, you know, because God knows I like my sleep, so he doesn't disturb me. But I just really really felt very strongly that God wanted to share something and just was sharing some stuff with me. So I hope it does hit the mark, but because it's not something that I've shared a lot on, it may be a little bit, you may have to sort of pick the meat and spit out the bones kind of thing, but let's go for it anyway. Okay, um, I want to just give you three definitions real quick, which you'll probably be aware of, but here we go. The church is what? The body of Christ, isn't it? That's it's the body of Christ. And here's a great definition, really deep. The Holy Spirit is God. Would you agree with that? Okay. So the Holy Spirit is God and the church is the body of Christ. Can I give you a, a different definition of the kingdom of God? You may have heard rule in action before. You may have heard various things, heaven coming to earth. But the kingdom is the way Jesus operates in and through his body. So the kingdom is the way Jesus operates in and through his body. That's a really important definition of kingdom for what I want to share this morning. True kingdom living happens by the power and intimate presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, immersed in the body to transform the world. God wants us to transform the world, but there's a process. He wants us to be in intimacy with him. He wants us to be in a body, and he then wants us to transform the world together in that body. And I really believe God is asking us as a people locally, but also universally as the church, to really grasp his plan. Many people have their plans, but God wants us to grasp his plan, because his plan is the one that won't fail. Amen? Okay, let's turn to a well-known story that we share at Christmas in Luke chapter 1. I've asked all of you to turn there, and I've not turned there myself, so here we go. Bear with me. In, in the home church, I usually have all the scriptures on a screen and just click, you know, so I'm going old-fashioned this morning back to the pages, so it takes a bit more time. Luke chapter 1, 
Verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. You are blessed among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be the called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that the Holy One who is born to you will be called the Son of God. It really is a jam-packed, powerful scripture, this. It's a story that we're familiar with, but sometimes when we're familiar with the story, we kind of gloss over it. I want to say a couple of things regarding this story, first of all. That this is a true story, but it also is there to teach us a great deal about how God works. First of all, when the angel came, comes to the woman, the angel said, you are highly favored. I believe the church needs to step into an age where we are convinced that we are highly favored as the bride. We are highly favored as the body of Christ. That we, we stop saying negative things about ourselves as individuals, about ourselves as a corporate group, as ourselves as a local church, no matter how big and how small we are. But we actually start to say what God says over his bride. That we are highly favored and we are blessed. And it's a challenge for me as much as it is for you sometimes in the circumstances we face. But I really believe God wants us to have that mindset that we are blessed regardless of circumstances and we are highly favored. Being highly favored by God doesn't mean you won't have trouble. Look at Jesus. It doesn't mean you won't have challenging circumstances, but it does mean that you will have a world overcoming faith residing on the inside of you. And instead of working with the circumstances to put yourself down and the church down, I think it's time that we all saw what God sees about us, that we are highly favored, deeply loved and blessed. And this is what happened when the angel came to see Mary. First of all, the message from heaven for this woman that represents, I believe, in this picture of the body of Christ that this woman's, this woman's reception to this angel was that you are highly favored. That's the first message from heaven. It's not a message of condemnation. It's not a message of fear. It's a message that we are highly favored by God. And it's also a message of action. It's not, I'm highly favored, thanks, I've got this kind of feeling of entitlement. Well, I know I'm highly favored. No, there's a rejoicing. There's an appreciation of what God has done for us, as we've done this morning. And so often I think that in our society, we, there's become this sort of spirit of entitlement. I, I've got my rights, and, I, and I, I can get what I want to get, and I don't have to do anything for it. And, and, and that's the amazing thing about God. We don't have to do anything to receive his love. But like any father, like any, any, any being, and we're created in his image, he appreciates thankfulness. 
He appreciates a heart, like we said, receive, beautiful, receive our adoration this morning. I believe God was so blessed by that this morning. He goes on, it says that <clears throat> the angel says to her, what's in you is you will conceive and it will bring forth a son and his name will be Jesus. I really believe that the church, God is trying to get the church ready to bring forth Jesus, not religion. But bring forth Jesus. Jesus means deliverer or rescuer. The church, the God's idea is for the church to be the rescuer and the deliverer of all the people around. And actually you guys are starting to do that. That wonderful story from Pete this morning shows that already in this locality that you've moved into, God is working through you and God is bringing deliverance and bringing freedom and bringing just life wherever you go. People know about you. You're alive. Amen. And I really, I really believe that God wants us to understand that the, 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 the body of Christ, whether it be local or universal, is there to conceive his word, to bring his word, to bring his will into action in the physical realm. We're not here just to gather or, you know, we don't just go, go we don't go to church, we are the church. And we, when we gather together, it's a place of conception, it's a place of creativity, it's a place of nourishment, it's a place of multiplication. God is into being creative, we know that. He created everything and he wants the church to be creative. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. One other thing that this passage talks about... <clears throat> is she asks, you know, how will this be? How will this amazing thing happen to me? How will this miracle of creativity that's going to bring deliverance, how will this happen to me? And the answer is simply the Holy Spirit will come. And, and I really believe that, that we have to become, and I say this for myself more than anybody else, we have to humbly accept our absolute need for the Holy Spirit again. As the church, that we need the Holy Spirit. We can't function without him. And, and, we, we, and it's important that we get, you know, savvy in everything that the world gets savvy in and, and, and do amazing things and, and be excellent in what we do. But we need the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to anoint excellence. You know, when they built the temple in the Old Testament, it wasn't, oh, well, it doesn't matter. We'll sling anything together because the Holy Spirit will bless it anyway. It was this sense of excellence, the best master craftsmen, the best people involved, the people giving themselves and their time and their heart to make something to the glory of God and the Holy Spirit blessed it. There's this working together of the church and the Holy Spirit that I believe in this time we're moving into is so, so important. You see, just as Mary became a vessel, a body from which deliverance came, the church is here to do exactly the same thing. God has never changed his plan. If you remember back in the time of Moses, when his mother was about to bring Moses through as a deliverer, that you had a situation where Pharaoh was, was, was killing all the babies, <coughs> killing infants everywhere. And you see at the time of Jesus, when Jesus was born, within 18 months, two years, Herod killed lots of babies. And this murderous spirit that seems to be around again whether it be killing unborn or whether it be going after children with abuse or neglect or whatever it's rife in our society and it's time I believe that instead of us just commentating on that for the church to arise and be a deliverer in that and I think this kids network in Leeds is an example of that isn't it 
that God wants to raise things up to be deliverance in that place, to be wholeness in that place. The church is God's body on the earth and where, where he can conceive and create life and bring forth deliverers onto the earth. God is about life. He's not about religion. He's not about rules and regulations. He is about life and absolute life. And, and, and I think that, <clears throat> that the Holy Spirit helps us as a church to shake out of our religion and our rules and regulations and come into that life that God has for us. God wants us to live and enjoy life, not dependent on our circumstances, not dependent on our bank balance, not dependent on who's with us and who's not with us. But God wants us to enjoy life to the full. That's why he came. And, the, the, and I really believe that even with tough stuff going on in our lives, God can still give us such a joy on the inside that's inexpressible, that's full of glory. That joy becomes our strength. And with the Holy Spirit, the circumstances can change. Let me say this to you. A churchless Christian creates a hindrance to the work of the Holy Spirit. A churchless Christian creates a hindrance to the work of the Holy Spirit and aborts the creative life of God in themselves and others. Why? Because my Bible says every joint supplies. What are you supplying? The same Holy Spirit that's in you and in me, we are supplying that. The gifts, the amazing things that God has given us, we are here to supply that to the body so the body can be creative and the body can be full of life to go and be a deliverer wherever the body goes. You, in your workplace in the week, as we gather together, what we do in community, it's going to be life-filled. But, but the churchless Christian... It, for me, there's a deception there because there's the thought that, well, I have the Holy Spirit and I have the Bible and I can, I can I have a relationship with Jesus on my own. And it's, it's, it's really wonderful until you realize that, that, that Jesus is the head of a body. So, so you, you, it's kind of gross, but you're having a relationship with a head without a body. But when we start to relate to Jesus... Not just on our own and in, our, in the Holy Spirit in the Bible, but through his people as well. There's a fullness, there's a wholeness to that revelation that we have of Jesus. In order for Jesus' mission to culminate on his return, the church must be strong enough to be in agreement with the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. Right at the end of the book... This revelation of Jesus Christ, it's all about Jesus. It's all about his return. And it says this right at the end, the last chapter. This is chapter 22, verse 16 I'm going to read from. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. Have you noticed Jesus wants to speak to the church? Not just you as an individual, but to the church. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who, he, who hears say, come. Let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life. So this is agreement. Even for Jesus' return, there's an agreement between the Holy Spirit and the bride. Yeah. 
There had to be an agreement between Mary and the Holy Spirit and the word that came through the angel to produce Jesus. Without Mary's agreement, it would not have happened. God is not going to force himself on his people or the church. He is a loving God and wants us to partner with him in bringing deliverance. He's been so patient for 2,000 years, hasn't he? He's been so patient while men have built their own little kingdoms and while people have opted out of church and deconstructed it. He's been so patient because he sees the end from the beginning and he sees a beautiful bride that he's prepared for his son. And he sees a day when the bride will be in such agreement with the Holy Spirit that they will be in such agreement to say, come Lord Jesus, Jesus will return to a glorious church, a bride that is beautiful and radiant and bringing deliverance wherever she goes. I believe that, do you? No matter how bleak it seems, I never want to opt out of church because I see that. Amen? Amen? I see it. I see it. And, and <clears throat> you don't get a revelation of that secondhand. You don't get a revelation of that just because you read a book. You get a revelation of God's heart for his church by spending time with him. You get a revelation of God's heart for his people and to be a deliverer through his people to the world by intimate relationship. And God wants that for you and me. We do not need, brothers and sisters, we do not need an intermediary. We have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and the Word. And together as the church, we can uh, supply each other with what we're lacking. But my word, it's time for us to develop deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. Come into agreement. Allow him to build us strong on the inside. A Christian without the baptism in the Holy Spirit cannot begin to operate the way God operates. A Christian without the baptism in the Holy Spirit cannot begin to operate the way God operates. Can I also say this, that a Christian that's not asking for more of the Holy Spirit is in the same position. I know there's a lot of teaching out there that we have all we need. And yeah, there's a truth in that. We have all we need, but God says ask for more as well. I'll give you a scripture for that in a minute. There's this sense of, in in this scripture in Revelation, it says, those who hear, those who desire. And what's the last thing it says? Those who thirst. Those who thirst, those who desire, and those who want to hear, the Holy Spirit will be close to them and will be intimate with them. There's got to be some desire. There's got to be some thirst. And I don't know about you, but I'm more and more thirsty for more of the Holy Spirit, not just to have an experience of feeling, but to be part of his deliverance plan in the earth. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to just read a couple of verses here. Verse 12, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So in that one verse there, verse, it's verse 14 verse 13 it says that we have been baptized into the body by the spirit when you get baptized in the spirit there's an immersion not just of the spirit but into what the spirit cares about which is the church 
Because the Spirit's here to prepare a bride. And as you baptize in the Spirit, there's not only this amazing experience uh, and where, where you know, you speak in tongues and, and, and prophesy and you're open to moving the spiritual gifts. But what are all those spiritual gifts for? The edification of the church. To build up the body of Christ. And, and, and this, this doesn't happen an hour and a half on a Sunday. That's the culmination of what goes on in the week. <clears throat> And I really believe that God is saying also from this verse, not only are we to be baptized, but there's also a spirit for us to drink from. If you look at the Greek there, it's a continuous drinking. There's this sense that when you get up in the morning, I don't want to do this day without you, Holy Spirit. I don't want to go to work without you being a part of what I'm doing and listening to you. You have all experienced it. There's that, that still small voice. That, you, that we ignore from time to time. Maybe it's just me. And I wish I'd, I wish I'd not ignored that small voice there. Because that would have turned out a lot better. You know, just little things like, you know, just one morning I, I was leaving the house and I felt just that still small voice. Just take that two pounds that are on the, on, the, on the side there. Just take them with you. And I was arguing myself, well, I'm not going to go to see anybody. I'm not going to go to a car park today to park and have to pay some money. So I'll just leave it. I'll just take my card and I'll be fine. But I ended up that day, through various reasons, being having to go to a car park to, to meet somebody that I wasn't expecting to meet. And guess what the car park fee was? Two pounds. <laughs> I was scrambling around for half an hour, trying to find two pounds, going to the bank, getting cash out. It's just, you know, all, just listen to the Holy Spirit. I know it's a simple thing, but God wants us to know that he's interested in our lives and, and wants us to operate out of him. The Holy Spirit immerses us into one body. The Holy Spirit frames the culture of heaven and the church, local and universal. Instead of preachers talking to people about how they must not gossip and how they must get there on time and how they must do this and do that, if we would just allow the Holy Spirit to flow. Sometimes I'm thinking, you know, there's a thought going in my mind. I'm stood there at the front. And, and, and I'm thinking, where, where is everybody today? Or why are they not worshipping? Why are they not going for it? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, son, you just go for it. You just go for it. Because if I'm here with you, that's, that's, that's the best thing since sliced bread. So you just go for it and, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll get it. They'll, they'll get it. And, and, and it just, just when we allow the Holy Spirit to come in, and I know stuff gets in the way sometimes. It just makes life easy. It's like the oil and the engine, isn't it? He's like the oil in the engine. He just makes everything a lot smoother. You try and drive a car without oil, you'll go nowhere. We need more of the Holy Spirit, don't we? we need, I need more of the Holy Spirit to deal with my stinking attitude sometimes. I need more of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you know, just speaking for myself, Mark, don't feel guilty. That's not the Holy Spirit. Amen? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 18 Talk, it's a beautiful scripture. I'm going to turn to it. Forgive me, this is not a three-point sermon this morning. I, I just, um, just sharing some thoughts with you. Ephesians chapter 5. You see, the reason we don't want more of the Holy Spirit is because we really, really think we can do it ourselves. We really think we're the answer, but we're not. He is, and he wants to use us to be the answer. We, we think we're, we're, there's, there's something about us. We don't want to give up control. 
There's something about us as human beings. We don't want to give up control. That's why when the Holy Spirit comes on you, the first thing that happens is you speak in tongues because there's a sense of, okay, now I'm in charge of what you say. Because what you say governs your life, doesn't it? So that's the first thing he goes for, the tongue, isn't it? <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5, I love this, this, this scripture. I, I love them all, but this one's really good. Ephesians chapter 5, I want to read um, from verse 15. Here we go. See then you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So the understanding of the Lord's will is don't get drunk on wine. It doesn't mean you can't have a glass of wine, but don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Let's just rewind a little bit. It says, live as wise, not as unwise. And it says, redeem in the time for the days are evil. The word evil there is porneros in the Greek, where you get pornography from. And it means to be under an evil influence. If you ever dealt with somebody who has a addiction to pornography, they're under an evil influence. So this, this word means being under an evil influence, okay? And it says, be, be, you know, be wise, because this whole world system is under an evil influence. And it says, redeeming the time. What does that mean? Well, if you look in the Greek at what that means, it means that you have the ability, as the people of God, to live outside of time. Literally, it's saying, if you want to be wise, there's a different way to live. Instead of living confined by this time-space world, get in the spirit and govern time. Or another way to put it, be a time lord. <laughs> I knew you'd like that one, Mark. Be a time lord. It's time, is it? Oh, it's time lord, is it? I thought you were calling time on me then. Okay. <laughs> time to be a time lord that god wants us to you know can you can i can i give you an example of this in the old covenant joshua was winning a battle but he needed more time this is old covenant now we're in the new covenant so he says son would you stand still a little bit don't don't move anywhere i've got I need more time today and he did oh well i don't believe that scientifically well that's fine but God, God, God's bigger than, bigger than these things, okay? And if that's... But you and I have experienced this. You've, you've experienced this in prayer and worship. You open your eyes and it's an hour's gone. Where's that gone? Because you're outside of time. We've experienced these supernatural events. And, and God wants us to realize that the, the, the church is going to come into such a power, but that power can't be released, can't be received, not released, can't be received by those who are not intimate with the Spirit. God wants us, because that power will then be about us instead of Him. And all the revivals that you read about and all the things that have happened in history of the church, they are small compared to what God is about to release to those that want to be really intimate with Him. The church that wants to be a bride not just a distant friend or a pen pal, but a bride. And a bride is an intimate relationship, isn't it? Oh, Lord. Let's go to one more scripture. There's a lot more I wanted to share, but I'll 
I want to do something else before we go. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Just while you're turning there, one thing to say about this, be in the spirit and don't get drunk on wine. This is what God showed me at 3.30 this morning. So I better deliver it now he woke me up, eh? In Psalm 8, it says that the praises of God, the praises of children, God's children, puts the enemy in a stupor, makes him like he's drunk. He can't cope with it when we start to praise God. So if... Our praise makes the devil in a stupor so he can't be active in the earth. Then anything that is outside of us being filled with the spirit, including getting drunk on wine, makes us in a stupor so we can't be who we are and activate as God wants us to be activated in the earth. That's why we need to be filled with the spirit. We have all the tools at our disposal we've got more christian books than we can shake a stick at but if we've not got the holy spirit if we've not got the holy spirit and we're not having an intimate relationship with the holy spirit then there's something lacking that god wants to put in there 1 corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 It won't help with me being in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, will it? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But it is written, I has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And we've sung songs about this in the past. No, I have seen... And we kind of finish with that verse, but the next verse says, but God has revealed them through his spirit. God has revealed them through his spirit. So God has, the love of God, God himself has got so much for us, so much resource, so much ability for us to be deliverers in the earth, for us to be creative in the earth. And it's through his spirit we receive that. And, and how often have you just read verse 9 and not read verse 10 or heard it preached? Oh, no, I have seen. We'll know when we get to heaven all God prepared for us on earth. That doesn't make any sense. We don't need it in heaven. You need it on the earth. You see, religion doesn't make sense, does it? But God does make a lot of sense. Let's read on. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit. And it talks about the spirit, knowing the deep things of God. Then go to verse 14. No, not verse 14. Go to verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of this world system, which is fear-based, but the spirit who is from God. Why? That we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God. The things that have been freely given. Well, I'm sure God withholds. No, it says he's freely given. There's nowhere in that scripture it says God withholds. He's ready to give. But it's our capacity to be able to receive. God, want, God is pleased when we receive. Religion is displeased when we receive, the spirit of religion, but God is pleased when we receive from him. When we receive from him and have the same attitude in us that was in Christ Jesus to then give away his deliverance in his life. 
God wants us to receive from him in order to give. There's a, I'll finish with this. There's a beautiful contrast that Paul makes in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 between the ministry or the service of the law that brought death and the ministry of the spirit that brings life. And you can read it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I haven't got time to go through it today. But it says that that ministry of death had some glory with it. It's talking about the old covenant. There was some glory. I mean, you know what? Parting the Red Sea, that's glory, isn't it? You know, the miracles that you see in the Old Testament, there was glory with that. But Paul says, with this ministry of the Spirit, there's so much more glory. Can I suggest to you, and this may be bordering on heresy here, forgive me. But I don't believe the church is yet to come into the fullness of the new covenant. I don't believe the church is yet to come into the fullness of the ministry of the Spirit. So we're kind of in this ground. We, we, we sometimes have an old covenant mindset about God. Um, you know, we, we, we kind of get a revelation from God from Job rather than Jesus. You know, so Job says he gives and takes away. Jesus says he's come to give life. We'd rather have Job than Jesus. Why is that? We'd rather sing songs about what Job said about God than rather what Jesus says about God. Wouldn't it be wonderful if somebody just wrote a song on John 10.10? 10? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me set the record straight. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give life and life to the full. Oh, that would be a great song, wouldn't it? I really believe that, 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 that we, as the church, have to make a decision not to hesitate between two opinions. Because, you know, the law is kind of comfortable. Right and wrong, you know, what, when you're in and when you're out, you know what to do and what not to do. And even in church, we have our own rules, don't we? Do this and you'll be favoured. Don't do this and you won't be favoured. And we have all these rules and regulations and, and we, we need structure. I'm not against structure. I believe the stru- body needs a structure. But I believe that structure needs to be breathed on by the Holy Spirit. Can I suggest to you, even reading the Bible, we can't really understand the Bible without the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit breathed the Bible, breathed the scripture, the graphe. So we have to be breathed of God to understand it. It's not about academics. It's not about how many degrees we have. I've got a degree in theology. It's not about that. I've got one of those, but it's not about that. It's by the Holy Spirit we understand. I really believe that God wants us to cross over into a promised land of deep relationship with the Holy Spirit. When we realize that kingdom is not about rules and regulations, but it's about life and it's about intimacy with God. When we realize that the church is, is, is not about just what we thought it was about, but it's here to bring deliverance to the whole earth. Stand with me, would you? In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are 
family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.